I'm Scott. I'm Bill. And, and we're, we're the, the Trade, Trade Guys. Guys. You're listening to The Trade Guys, a podcast produced by CSIS, where we talk about trade in terms that everyone can understand. I'm H. Andrew Schwartz, and I'm here with Scott Miller and Bill Reinch, the CSIS Trade Guys. In this episode, we'll talk USMCA. It's sitting on Nancy Pelosi's desk. She keeps saying she wants to get it done, but we're talking about many, many months. The new CFIUS report that was just released. And we'll talk about the phase two trade deal between the United States and China, which is facing some challenges. So I can tell you this, China would much rather make a trade deal than I would. Then why haven't they? Uh, Because I haven't wanted to do it yet. And why haven't you wanted to? Because I don't think they're stepping up to the level that I want. All that and much, much more on this episode of The Trade Guys. Gentlemen, it is so great to be back. I missed you both dearly. That is saying something. Um, Were you gone? Where were you? See, you guys, I knew it. I knew it. Jack sits in for one day and I'm, you know. All of a sudden, it's interchangeable parts here. Here today, gone tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. No. Well, anyway. It's like politics, you know. If you're not here, you're yeah. you're nothing. Well, that's also, you know, you know, I had an old boss, one of my first internships I ever did. He said, you know, if you keep showing up, they're just going to hire you eventually. And I think that's kind of what, you know. I used to think that. And then when I was on the Hill, we had a guy who was an intern for a year. Yeah, he kept and, showing up and no and one hired him. we wouldn't him. hire him. And <laughs> right. I, I thought it was an injustice, I thought, but they wouldn't do it. And he got mad and left. Yeah. Finally. Well, he finally got the message. That's uh, pretty Took a while. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, some the, people. Back in the days of free labor up on the Hill. Well, yes. When the corridors yes. were filled with smoke. Literally, everybody used to smoke. It was known as the last plantation for a reason. All the mid-Atlantic states used to pass out cigarettes. Yep. And uh, you wanted to have a gimmick, you know. So if you went to the office of the Florida senators, yeah. they had free orange juice. Right. And the Georgians gave away peaches in Coca-Cola season. And, well. peanuts. and peanuts. And peanuts. And so we had a big, when I was working for Senator Hines, we had this big conversation about what, sh- what should we give out? Baked beans, ketchup. Uh, uh, oh, you couldn't do ketchup. That would be a conflict of interest. Yeah. Uh, we were thinking, you know, the most emblematic thing would be a little steel bar, but who wants a steel bar? Right. You know, so my idea was. Cheese sticks. Uh, no. Well, that's a good one. That's that, a that good one. I've, but I was thinking these, one of these giant Hershey bars. Oh, Sure. I mean, well, and there is the Pennsylvania desk in the Senate. One of them is always filled with Hershey's chocolate. Right there, you go. And so, so that what's more American than Hershey's? Yeah, there you go. So nothing. Well, one of the things we were thinking is at one point Heinz wanted to give every senator a, a Christmas present because some of, some of them do that too. Something that's yeah. emblematic of the state. And I said, well, give them one of those one of those giant Hershey bars. You know, like you know, it's right. like Big, foot, foot long and, so yeah, like yeah, yeah, three or four inches. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we found out they were like twenty dollars each. And thought, well, I mean, for him, it was. He could have afforded it. He could have afforded it. But for 100 of them, you know, it adds, or 99 of them, it adds up. Yeah. So we never did it. Oh, bummer. All right. Well, speaking of not being able to afford it, can the United States afford to pass USMCA, a.k.a. USMACA? Scott. Well, it's, you know, it's looking grim right at the moment. It's one of these things. It's not not over. First of all. Compliments to Chairman Neal of the House Ways and Means Committee and Ambassador Lighthizer, who have managed this process with great deal of of confidence in both parties, with real respect 
and good judgment all the way through. This is the, these processes. Uh, Bill's called them. The, he's pointed out the landmines in the past, and and I think those two leaders, Ambassador Lighthizer and Chairman Neal, have very deftly managed the concerns, particularly among Democrats in the House, uh, and they've they've done it in a in a way that's created respect and trust which is very hard to do on these issues. This is, trade is a, it's a very complicated, very tough issue for Democrats, has been for at least 25 years. It's not getting easier, but, but managing these processes as professionally as they have is good. So I want to give whatever happens next full marks to the leaders for, for getting it this far. But what we have now is a situation where time is getting very, very short. Time's running out. Legislative time is running out. Yes, and there are still there are still issues that haven't been fully resolved. And one of the major uh, constituencies of the Democratic Party, organized labor, uh, the the president of the FLCO, Rich Trumka, is still raising concerns about the agreement as it stands. And and so all that all that says it's we're not done yet. Bill, can you explain this to me? There's only eight legislative days left in 2019. But Bill, you always say that. You know, look, if they, if they want to pass it, they'll find the time. They, they actually can add additional session days if they want, no? Well, they already have by putting the, um, the, new, the next CR. You know, they punted again on the budget. Yeah, continuing uh, d- resolution. Until December 20th. You know, these thing, those things, uh, forget about USMCA for a moment, budget issues are always resolved the day of or the day before the deadline. Yeah, keep in mind, the calendar said that they were going to adjourn for the year on December 13th. But when the CR went to the December 20th, that basically added a that week means to the schedule. That means they're going to be in town at least until the 19th or the 20th. If there's any doubt about the president signing the continuing resolution, they'll be in town because nobody wants the government to shut down over, over the holidays. So they've just added a week. And so you pick up a few more legislative days. But the other reason is that you know, the way the, the law works with respect to trade bills is once the bill is submitted, it can't be changed. So there really isn't very much for Congress to do. They can't amend it. They can't filibuster it. They can't hold it up. Uh, all they can do is vote on it. And there's a clock. Now, the clock, in fairness, the clock gives them a certain number of days in session uh, to do it, and that, that would kick that off into next year if they wanted to use the whole clock. But you don't use the whole clock because you know the inevitable result is they have to take a vote. It's unavoidable. But where we are now is the clock has yet to start. The clock has not started. But once it starts, yes. things will move fairly quickly because the committee will have a hearing. The Ways and Means Committee will have a hearing. Uh, they'll report it out the next day, the House, or two days. The House can take it up. It, they'll debate it. There's no amendments. So you can right. debate it for four up or hours. Down. And then you, then you vote on it. It's an right. up or down vote. Yes, right. Right. it but, goes uh, to the Senate. The same thing happens. And I agree with Bill. Once the once they have a reached agreement and the bill is introduced, uh, the the implementing legislation is introduced in the form of a bill uh, through the Ways and Means Committee. Once that's happened, it is a certainty that it will pass. Okay, what we're really dealing with now is how much Democratic support will the last arrangements that are being negotiated deliver. And my, my, my own opinion on this is there are enough votes in the House, including fairly strong Republican support, to pass the bill, uh, even with a relatively small showing of Democrats. I think you'll have a better than small showing. Uh, most speakers like to get at least half their caucus. So that's over 100. I don't think they'll get over 100. I don't think that's, uh, that's something they, well, I don't know, the speaker will decide whether it's worth working for. That's but, your dilemma. But that's, the, yeah. And that's, that's where this is going. I mean, it, it's, I'm, clean, I'm clean by a thread to my optimism okay. here. And I'm, I'm depressed because I was hoping that they would announce a deal last week and then they didn't. 
And I, I think there's two of the landmines that, that we anticipated are threatening here. One is the president who started tweeting on this again today. Uh, it could mess everything up by, you know, just starting to blame. Uh, and bl- personalizing, making it about personalize himself. It, yes. Yeah. And so that's one. Uh, that's one. So wait, why is he doing that now? He can't help himself. I, you know. Well, my guess is he's frustrated, but who knows? Okay. We, yeah, we, not we, a good idea we've to had interpret a couple, We've got tweets, a couple yeah. weeks of hearing where no one seems to be able to interpret his actions. True. So, uh, we're not going to try in this program. Got it. <laughs> that would be that. Uh, Enough said. Silly me for asking. <laughs> On the Democratic side, it, term, it, it seems to be turning into a, you know, how do we make Trump happy? Uh, Trump guys, there's rich Trump guys. Okay, so this brings me to the question. Why are the Democrats apparently beholden to Richard Trumpka? Because, uh, well, historically, because of the financial and organizational support that organized labor supplies to Democratic candidates. Right. And it's not so much the money. It's the getting out the vote. It's the driving people to polls. It's the phone banks. It's the canvassing. It's the endorsement that uh, makes a lot of difference and helps clear the field in primaries. Now, here's the great irony, and one of the reasons I'm getting less optimistic. The great irony is the FLCIO was never going to support this agreement. They're They're never going to support a trade agreement, period. And at the same time, the positive has been is even though they have continued their opposition to the bill or to the agreement, uh, they haven't mobilized against it. And this is huge. It's a huge difference to to have somebody send a letter saying we don't like this and somebody going to visiting every member office and really making an effort in, in strong, vibrant opposition. That hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's going to happen. So that tells you what? Well, it tells me that it, it tells me that the deal would pass today if you would be willing to accept, you know, fewer than fifty Democrats. The bill will pass that way. If if but if, but if you're trying to get Richard Trumpka's approval to this agreement, you will never get it. I mean, this is a opposing trade agreements is part of the catechism for organized labor. All right, and and Richard Trumpka is in no position to tell his troops that hey, look, I know I told you about the Ten Commandments. They're now the Fourteen Suggestions, <laughs> and we're we're no, we're now neutral on trade agreements. Right. That's so, not so, going so to he's, happen. Ever. So he's not he's not going to prove it, but he's also not going to stand in its way. As well, at the moment, he appears to to be have a have a deciding vote of whether he's in the way or not. Yeah, I think I think what's going on is. I mean, eventually it will come down to the speaker having to decide if she right. wants to tell him, uh, you've gotten all you're going to get and it's good enough and you ought to go along with it or just have a nice day. We're know, voting. Ha- have a nice day. We're going to vote. Yes. And I think there's calculations going on here on both sides. I think Lighthizer is probably thinking, uh, A, I've given all I can give, uh, number one, and B, uh, the votes are there, and the speaker wants this, which I think she does, yes. for reasons we've discussed before. It's because she's got all these uh, freshman Democrats telling her they need it. Uh, so I think Lighthizer is, gonna, is saying, I can't go any further. And Trump is saying, I want more. And, you know, the speaker is kind of caught in yeah. trying to uh, deciding whether she can squeeze more out of Bob or whether she has to tell Trump to hang it up and Make a decision based on what's there. Another option may be there is a separate issue as yet unidentified that is important to the labor movement. And and in order to get progress on that issue, whatever it might be, 
uh, there's a holdout. That's why they've been USMCA. talking about this pension bill. Uh, the pension bill would, which be, I know nothing, would fit but. that would fit that equation. I don't know whether that's it or not, but but there often uh, there there's a there's a complicating factor. I still think they'll get there, uh, and I think if they get there fairly soon, there will be time to do this in December, particularly since they've given themselves another week. Now, at the same time, I I don't sense. Uh, anymore, quite the feeling that you know, if we don't do it th- in December, we won't do it till after the election. I think. Yeah, no, I think I think January, February, twenty twenty are, are reasonable. People are uh, beginning to say that periods. For, I don't know for that I believe it, but that's what they're beginning to Why say. Why don't you believe it? Well, I the, the longer you go, the more people are going to say, "Let's just wait and see." If he's down in the polls. The president is down in the polls. Uh, more and more Democrats will say, let's not give him a victory. It'll just give him a boost. And we don't want to do that. Let's just wait. And the, we have a very early primary season. Primaries in a lot of big states starts early. And it's not just the presidential primary. It's the down ticket races. And so a member voting for a trade agreement can have an impact on their primary races. Uh, House member. Of so, course, the early states... You know, uh, voting for USMCA would be a positive. It would be a positive. Iowa, this is a big deal. Yes. But keep in mind, California is now on Super Tuesday. Yeah, California. Well, it's a big deal in California, too. Yeah, it's a big too. deal in California. It would, if they, My guess is it swings both ways. But uh, yes, I think there, Nevada, I think New Hampshire, I don't know about. But, you know, the, the early primaries are not in the swing states. The early right. primaries are somewhere else. Right. And getting this done would be an advantage, I think, for the, the incumbents that have primary competition. But you, you definitely want to get it done as early as you can. We had been hoping for 2019. Doesn't look like it, but it doesn't mean we're. It doesn't mean it's not going to get done. But we're going to hold out hope. I am, and to the uh, last, the last minute. And uh, I'm trying not to be despondent. Okay. All right. So we we've got a couple. And, weeks and he's left. been very graceful and not gloating because you remember that six <laughs> yeah. months ago, yeah. he said this was toast. Yeah. And I said wrong. Yeah. 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 And now maybe uh, the shoe is on the other foot. Scott is known as a graceful man, and we'll we'll leave it at that. And we'll we'll let's let's just see. We'll have to okay. see. We'll have to see. But if I end up being right, I will gloat. Well, we know that. We know that. Yes. And, so. and all in all, schedule aside, the best part of this is no mobilized opposition. That is the best thing you can say about USMCA, the politics of USMCA. There are supporters. There are probably people who are lukewarm or indifferent toward it. But there is not, as best I've been able to tell, any mobilized opposition. And that basically always means sooner or later you're going to get this done. Right. So it's just it's political. It's a matter of time. Right. Okay. All right. So we'll wrap that one up. Let's talk about something we don't often talk about on this program. Let's talk about the CFIUS report that came out, Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. A uh, recent report came out that said more overseas companies invested, investigated by U.S. authorities for national security concerns have abandoned investments in the United States since President Donald Trump took office. The report released by the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States said, uh, guys, what do you think about this? Well, what's important is, is that we're operating under a new law as of uh, August 2018. Uh, that And the new law expanded the number of uh, of, of investment types that were subject to review and basically reinforced the structure. CFIUS is still about a re- national security review, uh, but the but the new law passed by Congress, signed by the president, uh, is is uh, having an influence on the the uh, the number of activities and the number of reviews taken by uh, by the CFIUS committee. 
Yes. What's happening is, I think, an inevitable result of what Congress passed, because there simply is a larger universe of transactions now that have to be reported, and therefore, numerically, will lead to investigations. Right. I can give you the numbers. I mean, CFIUS reviewed 172 transactions in 2017 and 159 in 2018, compared to 51 in 2014, 66 in 2015, and just 79 in 2016. So numbers are way up. Yeah, it's a big bump. But I, I personally, I think you're going to see some decline going forward, largely because of the really significant, I think it's a 90% drop in Chinese investment right, in yes. the United States. As we said before, most of that has to do with Chinese government policy and limits the Chinese government has imposed on the outflow of funds. That has nothing to do with our CIFIA, our firma, our, our CFIUS review. It has to do with uh, what Chinese, the Chinese government wants Chinese people to do with their money. Uh, but the point is there's a, a decline in Chinese FDI here, foreign direct investment. Yeah. And those have been the targets. I mean, the whole point of the legislation was to give us a better handle on Chinese investment. Right. And the two presidential decisions, uh, in, both of which uh, prevented the investment from going forward, had both had to do with China. They both had to do But if you look at it numerically, of all these increases numbers, there was still one presidential rejection in 2018 right. and one in 2017. So we are not seeing an explosion of presidential Rejections. And we don't have criteria creep. We're not rejecting things because of economic security or anything else. These are still, still purely a national security yeah. review, which I think, given given the importance of invest, foreign investment in the United States, that's the right place to be. So the U.S. is still open for business. This is about national security. It's about Chinese investment in the U.S., and, and we're worried about technology things like that. Yeah, mostly. If you dig into the statistics, the other thing to look at is not the cases that were filed, uh, but the cases that were withdrawn. Um, because companies don't like to get a rejection. They don't like yeah, to Yeah, why don't you explain the process, no. how the process works yeah. a little bit, and why you have opportunities to withdraw. The process has two phases. You, you file, you n file a notice, and then basically what happens is that CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, conducts kind of a, a quick review um, and if they don't see any problems, they say that, and that's sort of the end of it. If they see problems, potentially, then they open an investigation. And so the number of investigations is smaller than the number of filings, and then there's an additional time period to conduct the investigation. What usually happens during the investigation is there's a dialogue between the parties, the party making the investment and the company being acquired, if that's what the investment involves, and the government – uh, in which the government uh, presumably has identified some potential security issues. And there's a discussion about, you know, are those real issues or not? Uh, what it usually leads to the government saying, proposing what are called mitigation measures. So if you do this and you do this and you do this, we won't be worried about it. I'll give you an example from, from the distant past. When uh, Lenovo, which is a Chinese uh, laptop company, acquired IBM's laptop division, uh, one of the things, the, the government fundamentally did not have a problem with the, tr with the basics of the transaction. Most laptops were already being made in China. This was not going to transfer critical technology. But what they discovered was that the IBM facilities in the United States were co-located with other IBM facilities that were doing work that involved critical technology that uh, the government did not want to get transferred. 
So the mitigation mem- uh, measures, if you will, ended up being in many cases simply physical, locking doors and, and not letting people in, in room A commingle with people in room B because they were doing different things, whereas previously those doors were open. That's a mitigation measure. Now, what happens as you go through this process with the parties, sometimes those are okay. And they cut the deal. It's the, doc, the thing is approved. End of story. Sometimes they're not okay. Uh, they can't accept them because it would necessitate, you know, uh, uh, sometimes the mitigation mem- uh, agreement is, you know, you can't buy the whole company. You have to spin off this element of it or spin off that element of it. And it may turn out that the acquiring party really is buying the whole thing because of that particular element. So they can't accept it. Well, it's very similar to what happens in normal mergers or acquisitions when, yes. there's, a, when there's an antitrust review. Because the antitrust authorities will step back and look at it and said, well, there's, there's seven divisions of this company you're acquiring. Only two of those divisions will create an unusual concentration or a suspect concentration and be subject to potential antitrust problems. So buy the other five. And that's the mitigation request. Yes. And then the, the, the basically the, the, the company who's, who, who is in the driver's seat basically says, okay, or no, I, I actually wanted the two that I can't buy. Right. But and, in Cifius, it's, it's, not, it's not quite a zero sum because right. in, in the antitrust case, that means the transaction either collapses or, or is, is significantly modified. In the Cifius case, since the outcomes are not public, one of the things that companies often will do is rather than have a rejection, um, which sometimes leaks out is they'll withdraw before the rejection. They'll, you know, they'll withdraw before right. the uh, rejection. The other reason they withdraw is if you're involved in kind of negotiating with the government, sometimes that takes longer than the time that CFIUS allows. And so what the government will say, look, is you know, as, as you get approached to the deadline where they have to make a decision, they'll say, why don't you just withdraw? We'll keep talking, you, and then you can refile. Mm-hmm. Because there's no reason, there's no right. prohibition against refiling. So one of the sets of data to look at is how many withdrawals there are and how many of those are refiled. Because if they're refiled, it means that they're, they've been worked out and are usually approved. But some of them that are withdrawn end up going away. And, of course, you never know really why. Sometimes they go away because the transaction collapses of its own accord. Exactly. So, But on the whole, you look at this whole picture, and, and unlike most of bizarre Washington, this is a situation where Congress had a concern. The Congress acted. The new law is it being implemented in a way, and the results from the implementation of the new law look pretty much like what we would have expected and, and actually appear to deal pretty well with the concerns of the Congress in the first place. So I think that's, that's so probably a good me, news let me, story. Let me it's a success this. story. So know. it's a success story. Let me ask this. What are, if any, the implications of any less Chinese investment in the United States because of this? Are we worried about that? Look, China was a relatively small investor to begin with. Right. Most most of investment in the United States comes from other developed countries, Europe, UK, UK Netherlands, Netherlands the big ones. Are the, yeah, and so most of our investment comes from parties that are similar to us in uh, in 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 development at least. Uh, and so foreign direct investment flows from China were not a big deal, but on the other hand, there are as Bill mentioned in the outset, there are several factors influencing China's FDI including capital controls at home. Uh, so at the moment, I don't think we can say a lot that's dispositive. Uh, now, sooner or later, China becomes a bigger investor in the world uh, as it develops. Uh, we're not there yet. The more concerning number, I think, is I just I don't have the number. I just read this today. I think total inbound investment is down. 
Yes. Total inbound investment from China. From no, any, from, no, from the world. Any from source. Source. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Which means people are nervous about investing here. That is not a good sign. Right. 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 And why is that? Just because of the overall climate? Uh, there's usually two reasons. One, declining growth generally. People are holding on to their money or they're keeping it at home. But I think that we have, as we've talked about here many times, the uncertainty of our policy deters people. If you don't know that, you know, the country that you're in might be a tariff target right. six months from now, you know, you're going to sit and wait till the situation Capital's clarifies. a coward, okay? Capital avoids risk like like crazy. They seek gain but avoid risk. And so you have, you have an environment that's less to, less less able to predict the future in, in any environment will have the, uh, an, an, the effect of reducing uh, investment. Okay. Finally, and this is a big finally, let's talk about the U.S.-China trade deal. No phase two or there's going to be a phase two. What's going to happen there? I think, whereas I had thought there were going to be three phases, it now looks like may there may only be two. I had a conversation with a Chinese source uh, who has, I think, fairly good contacts on the Chinese side, which uh, was interesting because I don't. And he thought this was going to uh, take off, go on into next year, mm-hmm. uh, January or, or, I don't know, maybe even longer. Uh, and if that's true, then I think that the, the second phase, which we've talked about here, the, the, you know, the, the great victory that Trump has to have right before the election, there will only be time for one more phase. I mean, my original thinking was you do a phase one in October of 2019. Six months later, people are getting nervous again. You do phase two right. in the spring. Then you do the big reveal and the big victory in October of 2020. Now there's not time for that. I mean, there has to be a phase two, at least rhetorically, because phase one is not going to include any of the stuff that Trump has said is important. So he has to say that this is just temporary to help the farmers, and we're going to get all the other stuff later. We're taking the market so access, there has to be a but, later. but there has to be a later to get the structural reform. And uh, so when that later happens, I agree with Bill's probably once. This, uh, this feels like your October surprise uh, getting cooked up. It does. The wild card here, and I continue to think this is a decision that has not been made yet by the Chinese. It's his surprise to get it yeah, next October Richard and Nixon's, say, look, I have this great deal. Richard Vote Nixon's secret plan to end the war in Vietnam. Mm. That was announced in October. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, he announced that he had one. Yeah, he didn't announce what it was. He didn't announce what it was. In this case, he's going to have to deliver something. I think the Chinese, uh, right, I think one of the reasons this is taking longer is uh, we're in a situation now where, where both sides think they have the upper hand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Trump believes that he is causing them more harm than they're causing us. They believe, and they one of the, one of them I think. Well, he came, sa- he said the other day they need a deal more than I do. Yes. Well, they said the same thing about us today, uh, as I recall. That, that yes. they think that he needs this more than they do, uh, and so then the question that's a very dangerous situation when each side thinks they have the upper hand because there's this tendency to overreach. I do not think contrary to what some other people have said, that the Chinese have already decided that he's going to lose and that they want to kick this over into, you know, into dealing with his successor. Get a better counterparty. Uh, yeah. First of all, you know, we follow these, this uh, American politics more closely than they do, and we have no idea who's going to win. And nobody's going to have no— I don't know whose opponent's going to be. You don't know we who's do going to win. You can't even speculate until you know the opponent. And it's if you look at the opponents— from the Chinese perspective, some of them would be better than Trump, and some of them would be worse than Trump. So until you until you know who that is, uh, you can't begin to make an assessment. 
and uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. This is the you know the the other the footnote to the October surprise. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if next August the Chinese decide, well, you know, he's going to lose, uh, and the next guy's better. So let's wait, right? You know, and and there won't be a phase two in in October because they won't agree to anything. Uh, but I think that decision has not been made yet. And that leaves us with another element of uncertainty for 2020. Oh joy! For the next nine months, we're going to be speculating. <laughs> well, about that uncertainty this. can't be good for the economy. But it's good for the trade guys because we'll have something to talk about. Oh yeah, it's good for the trade guys. <laughs> yeah, Scott and I have. Con- <laughs> I've come out of this about this. This this irritates me no end. But you know, as trade guys, we have to face the reality that if Trump loses, what's going to happen to us? Oh, we'll be fine. You know? We'll be fine. Well, well, we okay. go back to okay. the bottom of the okay. below the fold well, in the business okay. section. Okay. Well, let's just see. There's there's a couple scenarios. Let's say if Trump loses, that could mean maybe Elizabeth Warren wins. If Elizabeth uh, Warren wins, we're going to have a lot, lot to talk yes. about. There'll, there'll, yes. be, there'll, okay. be, there'll be much work. Uh, so so there's going to be a lot to work to do for the trade guys if Elizabeth Warren wins. Let's say uh, Pete Buttigieg wins. Well, we don't really know what his trade policy is at all. So we'd have to really yeah. – there's a lot of work to do there. Right. Let's say Joe Biden wins. This well, is this is encouraging. I guess I'm not moving to Florida to complain about the government full time. See, there you go. Soon. There's work to be had for the trade guys, no matter who wins. And if President Trump gets reelected, then there will be big, beautiful trade deals to talk about for many years to come. You've made me feel much better, Andrew. <laughs> I knew I would. <laughs> To our listeners, if you have a question for the Trade Guys, write us at tradeguys at csis.org. That's tradeguys at csis.org. We'll read some of your emails and have the Trade Guys react to it. We're also now on Spotify, so you can find us there when you're listening to the Rolling Stones or you're listening to Tom Petty or whatever you're listening to. Thank you, Trade Guys. Thanks, Thank you. Andrew. You've been listening to the Trade Guys a CSIS podcast.